previously on Backlog Dialogues. It was at this point I realized that I actually have no plan. I've been wandering around for years doing nothing. Diz has no plan except being bitter about nobodies. Look, John, I've explained it once, I explained it our time. If ducks come from Final Fantasy, doesn't that mean geese should be from Dragon Quest? Aren't there angry goose monsters in Dragon Quest? Uh, I think they're platypi. I could have sworn there was some kind of goose monster in Dragon Quest. Like, yeah, I, I think they're platypi is the thing. Like, you, I, you're right. There are, what are they, platypunks? No, yeah. I mean, I think there are explicitly goose monsters. Explicitly. And then Sora realized the true meaning of pirates was friendship. I mean, uh, I think Monkey D. Luffy would agree. And I think also think Monkey D. Luffy and Sora would get along famously. We can't make that reference yet. And Goofy said, what, none of you decided to check if I was breathing? Am I the only one who's actually thinking here? So I go through the entire area, uh, opening up all the treasure chests, and then I open up, up, up all again to see the chest messages. In Kingdom Hearts 3, we will have to, uh, in, in their pirate's world, it would be it would have been cool if we, you know, went for a, uh, you know, a whole bunch of time trying to find a cook and a, and a bard. And then Sora realized the true meaning of friendship was no way to suck it. And this is how we'll steal away Satan forever, guys. Ha ha. to the world that never was extravaganza i'm john i'm jared and that's too many twos <laughs> and i am matt Phew! we did it we're here we're actually at the castle of the world that never was we were finally a specific name um man not castle oblivion that's on the other part of the world yep this is I, I think it's actually the castle never was. And that makes a certain amount of sense. Sure. Yeah, that's what I would call it, too. The outside of it kind of looks like the it goes with the inside of Castle Oblivion. Mm-hmm. It looks really mechanical. There's a lot of geometrical shapes and patterns. I would describe it as cyberpunkish. It's got all that really feel of sci fi, but also just kind of strewn and, and, and dystopian. I wouldn't probably be criticized for calling something like this cyberpunk on certain discords but <laughs> yeah i don't think it's it's yeah. it, it's quite cyberpunk maybe some kind of punk but, but. it's it's very sci-fi for kingdom hearts in a way it's that steampunk like, cattle it, punk cm punk no wait <laughs> no 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 jared no we already did a lot of wrestling references back with the uh Her- hercules stuff let's call it geometry punk I like it. I, I, I dig I it. That's, that's fun. Promare, though. That's <laughs> You're right. And it looks very much like something out of ProBear. Yes. It's that weird, like, matte CGI thing going on that looks it looks surprisingly cool. Um, Everything is very stark and clean edged. It looks a little yeah. sterile. Yeah. Geometry punk. Like Promar. <laughs> I dig yep. it. So as soon as we get in there, we open up with Kyrie in a cell with Pluto. I'm not sure yep. why they're keeping the dog, but whatever. Well, I have in my notes that Pluto is a very good boy, so I presume Pluto just uh, didn't want to leave Kyrie by herself. Kingdom Hearts Pluto has a habit of just showing up in the most convenient slash inconvenient places. He never quite it, does anything, though. I've just this is true. Be there. 
This is true. Like, if Pluto actually did something in a story, maybe it would be, oh no, I just had flashbacks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sayek shows up and says, well, we're here because Sora needs to be more mad. He says, like, you're the fire that feeds Sora's anger, because he can't say anything simple. He has to be completely edgy about yeah. it. Yeah, he's not making a good argument against them being trolls, are, is he? So... Oh, well. he's, also not making, he's also not making a good argument about being competent because he walks away and literally five seconds later, a portal opens inside the cell. Yep. And like, that's the thing about these portal of darknesses. They can go anywhere. So how does putting anyone in a cell help anything? If you have an ally that can open a portal to darkness, cells don't do anything. I mean, it's like they really just can't remember that anyone other than them could use the portals. Like, they just Axe was dead, and that's all they were worrying about. But that's clearly not been the case up till now. Everyone uses these things. Yeah. It's Namine that helps Kyrie out of here. Which, after what we were just hearing about her, is kind of confusing. In a really weird moment, Namine reaches down, so Kyrie grabs her hand, which causes the outside of the castle to glow so that Sora can shoot a Keyblade beam at it. It's just mad hacks to help us get through the dungeon. I dig it. Keyblades seem to be more or less the Superman rule as far as what powers they have. They have whatever power is convenient and uh, at the time that the writers want them to have. And they get more powers as time goes on, as we'll see in the next games. And and though I do feel like so far they haven't explored it much out in a couple of really awkward moments, it really does feel like they're outside the rules of every world they're in. Mm -hmm. Like, pirates really hit on that, but... I guess I can't say truly that it's the Superman rule because they always try to connect it back to the idea of unlocking something or hearts. It has to do something keys do. Turns out keys can do an awful lot. Yes. And it has to do with hearts, but it's always opening the heart or, you know, like closing it or whatever. Well, you know, I won't ask forgiveness. Keyblades are the master of unlocking. God damn it. Anyway, I have in my notes that Mickey advises self then rushes in because there's a scene where Mickey is just like, go quietly. And then he just runs off ahead of everyone. Either he's hoping that to be the distraction or he knows we're doomed and we're the distraction for him. Yep, pretty much. Either way, Mickey wins. (laughs) Now you have to do Mickey trying to, you know, do the Metal Gear. This is a sneaking mission. Use of Donald is recommended. Ha ha. Which is a terrible idea because he's the least stealthy one there. He's the barbarian uh, wizard of the group. Not not going to do Mickey saying Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Metal <laughs> Gear. Uh-huh. So after Mickey runs in, leaves us behind, we get a scene of Konamine leading Kyrie as they're running through the uh, castle. Their escape is quickly halted because I guess he's not completely incompetent. Yeah, they run right into Syx. And he just gives a really great line seeing Namine helping like, if, if I had a heart, this would be where I die of laughter. Dude, you are leading way too hard into this shit. I can't wait to beat you up. <laughs> yeah, it is like he's actually keeping all those berserkers with him. So, you know, that's just being extra infuriating. Yeah. And then who shows up? But it's Cloku. <laughs> Sykes like, I thought Roxas took care of you. I'm not sure why he thinks that. Think about what we know. We know they fought in a world that never was, and then Roxas vanished. Syx doesn't seem to be working with very good information. Or with decent problem solving. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we do know that Roxas beat up Riku. So, yeah. But yeah, I might have heard about that somehow. Cloaked Roxas said, I defeated Riku once. That's really the first time we've heard that directly. My guess is that it might have to do with something with the next event, because Kyrie pulls our Riku's hood off to reveal... 
Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. Dun, dun, dun! Even after they called him Riku, Nominee called him Riku, he pulled out a keyblade that looked like Riku's old edgy sword, but still, we got the different face. And yep. now we're back to the guy that we met back with Diz. Oh, no. Meanwhile, Sora has to fight a bunch of new nobodies in the castle. This time we get to meet the Sorcerer, which are associated with Xemnas. And they are one of the most annoying nobodies out there. I hate sorcerers. They ruined previously every time I was stuck in the last sections. It was because of sorcerers. So they are more or less immune to magic, except I think actually, are they even immune to magnet? They're immune to magnet. Believe me, that's part of what made them so enraging for me trying to get through that hallway. And they have these weird flowing cubes around them that they will just shoot at you. They are like a three by three grid of cubes that they sort of just make in the shapes. They make a wall in front of themselves. They turn into a box and slam on your head. And they're pretty bulky. Yep, and they also have super armor, too. Oh, yeah, they don't get stunned at all. And so, yeah, when I was in some of the difficult bonus section, and there would be, like, two of them and a bunch of other ones, like dancers, that would be every time I die because of that, because either I'm focusing one sork and the other one gets me, or the uh, rest of the trash pole jumps me from behind. If I try to clear them first, the sorcerer slam me in two sides. You know, this is kind of making me think of something I noticed in Kingdom Hearts in general is that the more humanoid or clearly human the enemy is, the harder it is. The hardest regular nobodies are the ones that look extremely humanoid, uh, like the the berserkers and the sorcerers. And then for bosses specifically, the hardest ones are are the ones that are just humans. We know that like for both Heartless and Nobodies, the most powerful ones are the ones that basically retain their form. And some Seeker of Darkness was just like exactly as he looked in life, just as a Heartless. I just want to talk about sorcerers. While they're pretty humanoid, though they have ridiculously weird thin waist and they don't see any limbs because they're like wearing these robes that cover their arms and their legs. One thing they do is they don't really morph like, like other nobody. They flex and move, but they don't really take multiple shapes. So like they are a bit more stable than your typical nobody is. Yeah, they have that thing where they have the very large sleeves and they uh, hold their the, the openings together kind of like a monk there. You don't even get like a reaction command to use like to help you mess with the fight. And when they make shields with those cubes too, the cubes still hurt you. And so mm-hmm. if you keep trying to attack them, you will get hurt pretty bad. They're tough. Figuring out the strategies for fighting them is one of the biggest tricks that'll help you out in the end game stuff. So Sykes then greets us in a room that very clearly looks like a boss arena. Yep. And he's way up on the ledge, way above us because... He's got to be full of it. He tells us that Sora's already killed enough Heartless to create the Artificial Kingdom Hearts. Instead of a big, cool door, we got a big old heart moon that he points out. Gosh, I love the big old heart moon. It comes from the cover artwork, doesn't it? From the original. Uh, for the first game, yes. Like, uh, it's so crazy. The heart moon doesn't show up in Kingdom Hearts 1 except on the cover art. So some people have pointed out a trend where the final mixes of a previous game will actually show stuff from the next game. Keep an eye out on box art in this series. It's interesting. So Syx actually says, we, we are full up, but we could use one more surge. So I'm going to dump a bunch of Heartless on you. Yep. And then who shows up? But Kyrie. And then our buddy Ansem Koo gives Kyrie a keyblade. Kyrie's going to get to do something. Maybe. Yay. Maybe. Shit. Hopefully. Hopefully. I even remember this, her line saying, this time I'll fight. I believe it was actually the trailers. Yes. Yes, you're right. And then it's all in a cutscene. Shit. We see her bash a couple shadows and then we immediately get distracted because even more people are joining this little uh, soiree. Yep. Maleficent and Pete show up. 
Okay. The Maleficent's done with her hiring decision. She decides she wants to get the real estate. She <laughs> wants this castle. Emily, it's cool. It's probably also metaphysically located in a convenient place for villains, which is one of the reasons there. Actually, Pete drops a line, makes it interesting. He says, you're too close to darkness here and the Heartless won't listen to you, though she dismisses him. It essentially implies that like he even he knows that they get unruly when they're too strong. Overall, this goes nowhere. The plot's a little bit jumpy. We're going to jump scenes again. Yep. Mickey has caught up to Diz and Diz has a weird contraption. Sort of a standing like I don't even know how to describe it, like a laser with a balloon behind it. Mm-hmm. And so Diz, like who's greeted by Mickey, takes off all the belts over, which smoke for some reason. Yep. And it's Ansem the Wise. Yes, we can finally stop saying anything other than that, because as we've probably figured out by now, thanks to these secret answer reports. Fucking hell, it's obviously Ansem the Wise. There's no other reason why it couldn't be that. I'm just laughing at the fact that, you know, he has belts over his face because that is such a Nomura design right there. Mickey's me was like, dude, things are this bad. Why didn't you come to me? Diz just fills in a bunch of stuff that happened in between Chain of Memories and now just explaining everything, including that he caused Riku to go full Ansem. Whoops. Explains how he felt this fault they were his apprentices uh he, he sent riku to go collect roxas and he figures riku must have lost because he came back looking like ansem so he must have done something like that yeah the other answer right? the story is more or less that riku lost in his normal form and he had to turn towards embracing the darkness in order to actually retrieve roxas yeah and doing that caused him to become ansem seeker of darkness and answer the wise lawyer says, like, when I saw him, when he introduced himself as Riku, I could only laugh to hide my shame. He seems pretty amused back in that scene, so I don't know how much I buy that. He is trying to cover for himself. That's all. He's still a shithead. Fuck that guy. And Mickey's like, yeah, Riku made me promise not to tell Sora they turned into Ansem. Probably because Sora would be confused, is my assumption. Anyway, all this is going on. Sora is back down in that boss arena. He has no fucking clue what's going on. Kyrie and Ansem are fighting Heartless together way off in the distance. He's confused. Yep. And that means that it's a great time for Zigbar to show up. I gotta love his intro line. Do you recall it? Have you been a good boy? <laughs> <laughs> and, it is, and then I don't understand. Like, he calls Sora and Roxas at the same time. And Sora who I thought finally understood, is confused yet again. Like, what are you talking about? I just got to say, Zigbar says a lot of interesting stuff. I realize lines is a really weird bit of foreshadowing. Such as? That must be why the Keyblade chose you. But man, did pick a dud this time. You don't look like you have to hear who the others were. Interesting <laughs> line. Yeah. And that's going to be good for coming up in a game or two. But at the moment, yeah, interesting line. Yeah, Zigbar gives a lot of hints at stuff that he clearly knows that the viewer doesn't know yet. Yeah. I mean, remember, he was messing with Zexion in the flashback. He's just very clearly been, I'm giving so much less of a shit because I know something. Yeah, he he's arguably more tuned into the plot than Xemnas is, which is uh, saying something, I'd say. Xemnas doesn't have interiority. Xemnas has, has sonorous speeches he gives. We can see a little bit further into Zigbar than we can Xemnas, so that might be what gives that feeling. Yeah, but we, we definitely get a lot of scenes where, you know, other organization members are going to Zigbar for information or being taunted by Zigbar because he knows something they don't, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. I will say none of them ever seem to go to him information. He, it's always him coming down on them. Like, it seems like he's pretty unliked because everyone seems to lose their cool talking to Zigbar. 
<laughs> anyway, so that means it's boss fight time. Zigbar is a, is it space-based sniper? Because he's teleporting? He's the sharpshooter. Yeah, his class is sniper or sharpshooter or something. He has the two uh, handheld crossbows, I believe. Yeah. I I don't you. think I could call them that exactly. What they are is they're kind of like this. I'm trying to say, look, he holds them like they're kind of like swords and they have these sword knives loaded into them and they have like this circle crossbar and they seem to just shoot the uh, little knives out. Like with the sniper nobodies, you can actually catch one of his shots and shoot it back at him. This fight is pretty crazy. Like, the, it starts from, from Zigbar's first-person view, like, where his recticles are trying to uh, lock onto Sora, and you have to dodge it. And he uses his teleporting for some nasty combos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, aren't there some some reaction commands where you get to, like, you know, like, uh, chase him around uh, as he tries to teleport away? I think, I think his reaction command is specifically you catch one of his laser bolts and you kick it back at him, and you can sometimes just... Bounce a shot three times around doing the zip around type thing. Oh, yeah. It's the zip around to bounce it back. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the sex pistols from Joe's Bizarre Adventure. No, no. Six bullets. I am not going to use the sanitized dub names for JoJo's references. We're not afraid of 80s and 90s rock copyrights. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) So... I think it's a pretty fun fight. Like, he'll literally swarm you. I think he's like teleport spams and just juggle shoots you right up into the air. There's also some parts of the fight where he will, like, change the layout of the arena so that you have to go through a small maze to get to him. Like, I think it's a really cool fight. So I have in my notes for after the fight, Zigbar assumes that I I just lost a dual pose and then that is the usual organization member death, quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, he, he continues to be a troll. So I was like, why do you call me Roxas? He says, wouldn't you like to know? For doing that fight, we get secret answer report three. Chaos affects not only this world, but many other worlds besides. In the answer reports my apprentice Zehanort had written under my name, I found the records of his hideous experiments, along with his hypothesis about the door that appeared out of the darkness basements. All living things have hearts and all hearts hold darkness deep within. Worlds are no exception. If a world is a being, the heart it holds must be colossal, and the darkness at its core must be monstrous indeed. Did Zehanort pass through that door in attempt to contact that dark realm? No, not only Zehanort. It appears my other five apprentices, believing it was for the sake of research, stared deep into the darkness and were pulled into it. Evan, Ienzo, Bragg, Dylan, Naelis. They have ceased to be human. I, too, have had everything taken away from me, banished to a hollow realm of nothingness. What is Zehanort hoping to gain with my pilfered existence? Will my people cease to smile? If the light of hope has been extinguished, I shall henceforth walk with darkness as a friend. Here in the realm of nothingness to which I have been relegated. Darkness in the midst of nothing. Darkness in zero. Thus, I shall be known as Diz, discarding the stolen name Ansem and going in search of revenge. What a fucking edgelord. Yep, just to make sure you understood what just happened. That name, when you learn what it, the acronym actually is, you're just kind of like, Christ, dude, what the fuck? You're you're a, what, 60, 70-year-old man? What are you doing making a teenager's life journal name? 
I, I suppose he just has to let his inner pizza cutter out. All edge, no point. Yep. All edge, no point. That still is quite a bit of like actual backstory. And a bunch of other names. So we get the names of now that we understand the uh, naming schema of the organization meetings, we can be like, oh, OK, so Evan was Vexen. Yenzo was Zexion. Bragg is Zigbar. Dylan was Zaldin. And Oop. Ilias was Lexius. Who? Yeah, two of those Who? would feel a lot less important than the others. <laughs> <laughs> Just extremely acts of voice. Who? <laughs> I don't got that memorized. <laughs> I have in my notes, the next cutscene has countless hearts rising to the artificial kingdom hearts as Xemnas does his rendition of the sicko's JPEG. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. well, now that we've all fallen to that. Yes. <laughs> yes. And meanwhile, Sykes is ready to do something. Anything. Yeah. Please do something, Sykes. I'm bored of you now. He's ready to end the charade. And so now we get to the shipping scene. I love this scene. <laughs> oh, no. So Sora, Donald and Goofy finally meet up with Kyrie and Ansem Koo. And Kyrie's like, you never came back. So I came to find you this. And she hugs him like, this is real. This is real. <laughs> yeah, I have on my notes. Yay, they hugged. I also have in my notes. Goofy finds the hugging indecent. He's hiding his eyes, as I recall. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> It's like it's like the most absolute G-rated stuff, and Goofy is just like, "Oh my gosh, too horny for me." Yeah. <laughs> Please say that in Goofy voice, Matt. Gorsh, this is getting a little too horny for me. <laughs> we, have, we have we have committed a crime. <laughs> Come on, you guys want to add Goofy? Say, go directly to horny jail. <laughs> go for it, Matt. <laughs> Okay. Bonk, go directly to horny jail. <laughs> so Ansem Koo decides he doesn't want to give up on his bad decisions. While they're hugging, he kind of stealth creates a portal and tries to creep through it. And so, <laughs> but then Sora notices and it's just like he goes completely apeshit thinking that Ansem Koo is actually Seeker of Darkness Ansem. It's like, yo, just thinking about what you did makes me mad. But on the other hand, yep. And then Kyrie is just like, no, that's actually Riku. And <laughs> yeah, and I have in my notes, friends don't let friends do poo gas. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that, but it's there. <laughs> well, because he's trying to sneak into the portal while covered in that, while still wearing that cloak. Yeah, uh, I was I was going to say friends don't let friends uh, do mainline darkness and not like that. Riku, we're all sick of you making bad decisions. We're putting a stop to it now. This is an intervention. Just yep. don't dark post on main yep. Riku. And so Kyrie's like, so sorry, look, just close your eyes. <laughs> and as happy as Sora was to see Kyrie, oh my. When he closed his eyes, I could see Riku in a black cloak suddenly. Yeah, like he grabs Riku, he falls to his knees crying. It's like, uh, what is going on if not like, they love each other. <laughs> it has been about as long as he saw Kyrie as he saw Riku. Think about that. About five minute difference, judging from the end of the first game. Yes. Look, they're just very good friends. Sora has two hands. 
I've heard some reasonable things. He's kind of like everyone's been very weirdly cagey about Riku. And then there's mysterious figure he fought suddenly said that he defeated a Riku. So you wonder if maybe he was a little more scared. You have a good point. You have a good point. Still, there is no heterosexual explanation for this. Oh, no. <laughs> there are friendships that can be certainly close and intense without being romantic, but that's still just not what Sora's uh, giving off here. No, Nomura does, in fact, write a lot of bromances, though. Yeah. What was Riku's plan here? I don't know, because Goofy's like, oh, Riku, Goofy's like, Riku's want to help you. And Riku's like, yeah, I didn't think you'd catch on. Sora doesn't pick smart friends. <laughs> He's got to be thinking of himself. Yeah, Riku's plan was what? Beat the darkness in the hearts to beat Ansem? Well, it didn't work. And then he becomes handsome to use darkness. I'm just thinking of the one non-minion despicable me meme with the with the villain guy. Grew in the signs. Grew in the yep. signs. Yes. Like, yes. with his presentation. Yep. And then the end one is become handsome to use darkness. And then he's like, wait, what? Become handsome to defeat handsome's darkness with darkness. <laughs> it's almost got to be like that. And I was like, maybe Riku just didn't want to look like a 30 year old guy hanging out with a pair of teenagers. Like, that'd be awesome. <laughs> how do you do, fellow kids? He, he's the dirty old man of the group. Oh, no. He's got long silver hair. What looks like a fake tan. I mean, he looks like he's five years older than them, even though he's yeah. roughly the same age. I'd say five is kind. But yeah, I was going to say even even if even at his normal age and appearance, he still is the dirty old man of the group. Yep. By a year. <laughs> but yeah, but right now he looks like he's dyed his hair silver with a receding hairline that he's put on a spray tan. Man, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, these 14 year olds is going to cause them trouble. Anyway, we get the Oblivion Keyblade again. Yay. And elsewhere in the castle, Ansel the Wise sets up a gadget. Mickey wonders what the fuck it is. Yep. It's going to and reclaim Kingdom Hearts and encode it as data. Oh, no. I have in my notes. Me having only played Kingdom Hearts 1 through 2. Okay, that makes sense. Me having, after having seen Coden. No, no data, please, no. Does that mean we're officially anti-Tron now? Tron is okay. See what happens in Legacy, yikes. We'll <laughs> talk about that in Dream Drop Distance. Yep. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm just going to encode the heart of all worlds as data. I'm sure that won't cause any problems. I mean, it can't take up, what, more than a gigabyte? No one needs more than 640 kilobytes. <laughs> so anyways, now we got this through and Riku mentioned he needs to keep using darkness for the moment because reasons we have to fight through the castle some more. Different, yep. like some great room names like uh, I don't remember all the room names, but the one that like really sticks to me because it's a bit of a hub room and it's also just really memorable is the proof of existence. But let's just go through this a bit. Nothing's call. Crooked Ascension. Not Skyway. Hall of Empty Melodies. <laughs> Yeah, they're really cool room names. Alternately, they are live journal host names or something like that. <laughs> it's like they hired Diz as an AV consultant. Yes. <laughs> Hello, strange uh, man with, with belts. I'm sure you have no problem with us. Can you give us cool names for our rooms? <laughs> <laughs> so in, <laughs> in proof anyway. of existence, there are a bunch of graves and each grave has a sigil for one of the organization members and their title. Yeah, let's go through them, actually. The superior of the in-between, which is Zemnis, of course. I think his is broken. Mm -hmm. Zigbar, the free shooter. Zaldin, the whirlwind lancer. As I recall, Vexens was broken because they didn't have a weapon for him in the original two, but he's the chilly academic. 
Lexi is, is the taciturn stalwart, which means is the quiet, standing still guy. That's appropriate. Stalwart usually can mean something more like reliable, but it also implies like standing, unmoving and powerful. So, yep, it's Zexian, the cloaked schemer. They all wear cloaks. So how unmemorable do you have to be to be the cloaked anything in this team? Syx, <laughs> <laughs> the Luna Diviner. Axel, the flurry of dancing flames. Zdemix, the Melodus Nocturne. Okay, dude. Luxord, the Gambler of Fate. Okay. Mar- yep. Marluxia, the Graceful Assassin. Yeah, okay. This one's rude. Larkseen, the Savage Nymph. <laughs> Nymph is that kindness or rather diminutive wording, so. Yep. Okay, then. And of course, the Key of Destiny. I'm just laughing now because I think these titles are very much like Trails' Society of Ouroboros Enforcer titles as well. Oh, yeah. It is giving characters cool titles for the sake of cool points. People give Kingdom Hearts shit for stuff like this, but I mean, this is just typical fantasy writing. For someone who doesn't know, I go back to the uh, naming of the place here. I'm still just imagining Diz sabotaging them by just altering all their documents. And they're just going with it. Organization 13 is one half trolling, one half live journal posting for the most yep. cool darkness. <laughs> yep. But that's part of why I like them as villains. They're fun. But the room you were saying it's, it's very important. It's the mindset of the nobodies. Yeah, yeah. it's really emblematic of the, of the nobodies and the, the kind of little cult that they're in. And the name gives it a very somber feel. This is the place they set up as a way to prove that they once existed. But these graves, which they they come by and smash whenever one of them is gone, which I think kind of loses the point. Um, it's it's like a weird cargo cult. Like they, even with as human as they really are, it's like there still are certain things they're not sure about. Things they think they have to do. Anyway, let's go beat up the gambler of fate. So we're gonna go in there, and then Luxor decides he wants to make this recon again. So he puts everyone in cards. Yep, I have in my notes, what a weird battle. God, no. His health bar is called a time gauge. That's the first thing you need to know. He doesn't have a traditional health bar. He has a time gauge. He puts two bars at the top. It looks like you're in a fighting game. Yep. And both bars slowly deplete, but they also deplete when you take damage. But you also have your health gauge, which you can recover with healing like normal, but the time gauge stays depleted, though I never was in a fight where I was at risk of my time gauge. Maybe in the data battles. You made those impossible for me by, by selecting my difficulty. They're I hard did. even on proud mode. Yeah. They're hard even on normal mode. But maybe it would have been within my range. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. Sorry. <laughs> From what I understand, proud mode is the bad hard mode because it just makes everything. You deal less damage, enemies deal more damage. Does that mean I've been having uh, Ven is, is proud mode to uh, Terra? Maybe. Wait, wait till you get to Aqua. So first, I said, Luxor's playing all sorts of card games. He plays three-card Monty, but he plays it by putting himself in a card and then having cards spin around you. You can actually just use the camera to find which card he's in and flip around the right one. Sora can actually project to see things outside his field of view. It's canon. Third-person perspective. That's how it works. We don't make the rules, people. Sora sees himself at all times, and yet he keeps the hairstyle. If you had to spend that much money on that hairstyle, wouldn't you want a third person perspective so you could see it? If he spent money, he did it once at the start of his life and then it stayed there forever. He's not a saint. You know how much product it takes to get hair to do that? That hair is styled. I have 
a, a few very unhappy memories of a kid trying to use things like hair gel and never again. Also, another move that Luxord has is he seals you in dice and you have to roll around until you land on the correct face to feed yourself. Roll Fuck that mechanic. <laughs> just kind of just you're bouncing about. Yeah, it's funny. Like, what, what does he use in melee? What do you fight him? Is he still using cards? Yeah, I think he throws cards around. Yep, he uses cards. He doesn't really do much for the story, so we just win and get Magnaga. He's really just, he's just like, I don't want to talk. I just want to fight. I got skipped the formalities. Yeah, I was, go- I was going to say, this is a game that has Setzer in it. And so apparently Luxord has to show up Setzer. He really doesn't have much to say. He literally refuses to say much. Well, yeah, he's he's a gambler, and this is where he put his chips. He doesn't yeah. really have that much else to him here. I, there's one other mechanic that he does have, but if you're good enough, you can just skip it in this battle, where I forget exactly how it works, but it's this big uh, dome of cards, I think it is. I think that's in your data battles or a later game. No, you have to do it in data battles, but you can get it in this battle, too. It's just that you have to do it in the data battle. Anyway, we end up with Secret Answer Report 9. I should have expected nothing less from a Keyblade-wielding hero. Soren, friends, defied the machinations of Organization 13 and rescued Namine. Namine was a witch who controlled the memory of others. Most likely these powers were achieved through a special process when she was born. Namine is a nobody, created when a young girl's heart left her body. Yet she has no corresponding heartless. This is because the young girl in this case was a princess. Kyrie, a resident of Radiant Garden over which I had ruled, was one of the seven princesses that uphold the realm of light. With no darkness in her heart, Kyrie produced no heartless, and instead of vanishing, her body remained in the realm of light. In other words, both the nobody called Namine and the heartless, proof of a lost heart, are extremely unstable beings who lack the bodies needed to produce a nobody. Therefore, they also lack Kyrie's memories. One reason for this may be that Kyrie's heart did not return to the darkness when separated from her body, but in, rather migrated to another vessel, deep within Sora's heart. That is, Namine is an alter ego of the Kyrie who has directly interfered with Sora's heart. Could this be why Sora and those hearts are connected to him? Are we able to have their memories controlled? She is a non-being in the truest sense of the word. Having not even become a nobody and with nowhere left to go, she is but the most fleeting of shadows. We can't do that reference yet, guys. But we didn't say anything. That Exactly. <laughs> Interesting, because like now that it's saying Kyrie was a resident of Radiant Garden... Which does that mean well, that we do that? We, we do that from Kingdom Hearts One. I we saw that, but then now I'm thinking about that. How did she end up in Destiny Islands? Is Destiny Islands in the same world as Radiant Garden slash? No, it is not. And it, it, the implication like, is strongly that either she was flotsam, like most things end up in Traverse Town, or someone brought her there. It's a little unclear. Oh, so I think there was. I forget exactly how it worked, but I believe she came as a shooting star one time that Sora found on the island. Hmm. Well, that's weird. Yep. It's a girl. I forget exactly where that was explained, and I don't know if that's actually shown up yet in the story. Well, we know she arrived. She was a newcomer. That part's been clear from near to start. Yeah. And we've seen several th- details explaining it. And we did see a, a also, scene of her in, in, in Hollow Bastion's library in the first game. And I think she actually said close up that the place was familiar to her. So the other thing that I've got to say is 
as Anson is explaining all the all the stuff going on here, I just sort of imagine Dark Helmet looking at the camera and Spaceballs are going, everybody got that? He's kind of spent the last couple ones really backfilling. Not to mention his scenes with Mickey. He keeps explaining stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, like we are fighting I, all the answer reports that actually explain the plot now. And Anson himself won't stop explaining the plot either. So the, so, the next fight is the big berserker himself, Syx. He's kind of squatted room with this giant window so he can look up the heart moon. He's a lunatic in the literal sense because moon magic makes him go crazy. Yeah, his element so, is moon, and that mostly just represented as he's happy to have the moon near him. So yeah. where is Syx's werewolf persona? I choose not to look for it. The internet has, yeah. has holes I do not wish to dig into. Yeah. <laughs> I will leave that to you to find out, Matt, and do not explain <laughs> it to us. I believe you have the knowledge, the experience, and the mental fortitude. <laughs> I would say this guy has the most relentless attack patterns of any organization boss. I mean, he's a berserker. He charges you yeah. nonstop, and his weapon does huge blasts. In many ways, he is a harder version of the berserker nobodies, who are already one of the worst. What would you call his giant spiky sword mace? Because that's the best name I got. It's a great sword? It is not. I mean, that's a, a great terrible sword. sword. Is it one of those weapons that the Aztecs used, which was a club with sharp shards of, uh, of volcanic rock embedded in it? It's really uh, like a Makatool. Um, Maka tools are usually smaller than that, aren't they? Yeah, and they look more like boards with a nail in them. He's got a board with a nail in it, Ron! Yeah, yeah I would say I that the see. only reason he's easier than Roxas is that Roxas gives you no breathing room for healing. Apparently uh, they call it a they call it a claymore, but I don't know many swords that have a huge uh, circle of spikes at the end. Jared? These weapons are designed by Tetsuya Nomura. <laughs> oh, it's a Nomura sword. Keyblades! It's a key, and it's got some sharp edges. I, I can sort of get it. <laughs> I'm just saying, oh, if he wants to call it a sword, it's a sword, even if it looks nothing like a sword. I kind of choose to believe that in Kingdom Hearts, most of the damage that weapons cause is metaphysical rather than physical. I can see that. You do wonder how the nobodies get these weapons, but I guess they just come with them. He will go berserk. And the only way you can knock him out of that is by grabbing one of the swords that he leaves behind and hitting him with it. Just same way as the uh, Berserker nobodies. Basically, when he goes Berserk, he's throwing more swords at you. They're hitting the ground. But that is mm. close to how you fight the Berserkers. Yep. He's just a lot faster than the Berserkers, too. But I like I think he's pretty fun. Question mark. He's difficult. But once you figure out his patterns, it's a pretty spoof fight. Though, as a, though, again, you're, you got to be on guard because he hits super hard in critical mode, even with, uh, was it once more or second chance? Which one? Both. You need both on. Yeah, and I didn't. I'm pretty sure at this point I still didn't. <laughs> yeah, you did not have those on until I was helping you out through uh, the corridor. The, uh, what is it? The path to the corridor of remembrance. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, when, I, when I saw what your abilities were, I was just like, what the fuck? How did you get here like that? <laughs> Stubbornness and slow mental breakdown. <laughs> Without the life saving skills, he can deplete your health bar in almost one hit, and that will kill you if you don't have that protection. Yep. So after you win, Syx gets one last line that is kind of telling about his entire mentality. Yeah. I mean, he he at the end of his battle quotes, as he falls, he's lamenting. He only had hearts, and he's just reaching, looking out to heart. Now he's like, Kingdom Hearts, where is my heart? And he fades away. He was the true believer to the end. Yeah, he's he was the one who just went completely in on Xemnas's uh, weird heart cult. 
Yeah, I feel that most of the organization, you know, it's very cult-like because Zemnis is literally going after people at their most vulnerable because mm-hmm. he gets them right after they become nobodies. Mm-hmm. And those at that point, they are completely crushed uh, uh, emotionally and, and mentally. So, so does anyway. he name them all? Maybe. We did see him name Roxas, so yeah, I think he does name them all. My understanding is it's implied most nobodies come with memories, especially like uh, in the Diz report we just had. Diz report. <laughs> yeah. And then Sora just proves he just hasn't been listening. He's like, why is everyone calling me Roxas? I think Riku's just fed up. Yeah, I have in my notes, Sora finally learns that Roxas is his nobody, and he realizes he made a character. <laughs> I just love Sora's like, I know, buddy. I never was turned to a heart. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. I totally was. <laughs> Fuck. My bad. <laughs> it's just so so it's just great that Sora just clean forgot that time he turned to a little black monster and, and Donald beat him up with a stick. Nobodies are your edgy OC, except they're real. <laughs> oh, no. Sora oh. is so such a cinema role. All you can imagine is a boy who's kind of unhappy. Yep. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. So 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 it's such a cinnamon roll that he's that his edgy character is just like, imagine a boy that's kind of unhappy and dissatisfied with his life. Yeah. Yeah, I oh no. So sweet. So this is gonna date this. And that mean Rox is literally the evil sore in that in that meme with the reverse cult with the with that photo negative. Normal sore. Yay, life is great. The evil Sora. I'm just not really feeling it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Oh, gosh. Riku, we get the flashback where we finally see the fight between Riku and Roxas. Yep. We're going to keep coming back to that a lot more context later. So I think we'll probably have more time to discuss it in the uh, 358 over two days episode. So it's worth it's worth at least mentioning quickly. Like they're they're really matched. Riku's calling Roxas Sora, which is which is kind of uh, upsetting Roxas. And yeah. Roxas brings Riku to the ground, and then Riku he turns into Ansem, gains Ansem's guardian like his stand, and just beats him up with it. Like this, the guardian grabs Roxas and, and basically crushes his throat. Get that? That's weird. <laughs> and where did it come from? He never uses it again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think about it. That's weird. I don't like it, especially knowing what that guardian is. Yes. Uh, okay. But anyways, like I said, we'll talk about more when it hits harder in other scenes, but that's just kind of what we see happen. And I think that's a, a final mix added. Like the original didn't really show us all that. So we, uh, we get another report. Yep. Secret answer report 12. Ooh, this is hard in my throat. Apart from nominee, nobody's retained their memories of their time as humans. But Sora's nobody, Roxas, has lost Sora's memories. This is likely because Sora's time as a heartless was short having recovered his heart, and returning to his human form soon after leaving behind Roxas, his nobody. It would seem Roxas is much like Namine. Namine is Kairi's nobody, but came into being via Sora's body and soul. Likewise, Roxas is Sora's nobody, but was left behind because Sora's heartless regained human form using Kairi's heart instead of his own. It may be that Sora's memories are slow to return because the half of him that is Roxas is still lacking. I must convert Roxas into data and return him to Sora. As a member of Organization 13, it was exceedingly difficult to bring Roxas in. 
having lost the Roxas once, Riku laid everything on the line and used the power of darkness in their second battle, only just managing to bring Roxas back with him. But Organization 13 grows ever nearer. Here, Twilight Town, is where Roxas was reborn as a nobody. This is where Roxas first encountered Organization 13 and joined its ranks. They are bound to search this place thoroughly. First, I shall convert all of Twilight Town into data and construct a world duplicate in Sora's memories. I shall place Roxas within that world to live out his days and regain those memories. There is little time. The organization's schemes must be making steady progress as well. Yeah. And we, as we see, Ransom has one answer to every problem. Convert shit into data. Yep. <laughs> He's doing it now. He wanted, He did it with Roxas. He was do, did it with the whole town. If he can convert to data, he can. And somehow he installed Tron in the MCP, if you recall. Gosh. So, uh, yeah, I feel like this one is an interesting one because it also, you know, like we discussed a little bit of the complicated kind of lore about what is a heart, what is a soul, what is a body. What is a mind in Kingdom Hearts? And I think this one kind of backs up a lot of the conclusions that we we came to. So, yeah, Roxas and Namine made this really complicated or Boris loop and both being generated. Yeah, um, it is very much just trying to be like, OK, so we've told you all the rules of how nobody's normally working. This is why Sora is weird. Yep, why Namine is weird and why yep. Sora made both of them if you feel bad. Don't feel bad about making them. They're good characters. This also has this funny solution of Nobody's can be treated as a as a means to an end. You they they do not get full moral agency in his his view, which yep. is kind of funny because he's motivated by hatred for for beings that are only nobodies now. So yep. as we're kind of kind of seeing this next scene, aren't we? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. To to answer the wise, they are not. They're not. They don't even reach the status of moral patience. This next scene. We got Mickey and Ansem. Ansem's like, oh, oh, this isn't going to work. Yep. Yeah, I have in my notes that Ansem laughs at his lore obsession being meaningless due to the unpredictability of hearts, which is detailed by the scene. <laughs> Ansem, the machine. All the more proof that hearts cannot be contained by data. Run, my friend. It's going to self-destruct and anything could happen. But your majesty. Sora's group jump runs to join Ansem and Mickey. Sora. The rest is up to you and Roxas. I doubt you can hear me, but I am sorry. Ansem! My heart is telling me what I must do. Please allow me to do what it says. No! Riku grabs the king and pulls him back. Riku! His heart's decided. We can't change that. And then Zemnis appears in front of them all. I was wondering who would dare interfere with my kingdom hearts. And look, here you all are. How convenient for me, Ansem the Wise. You look pathetic. Have your laugh. I deserve as much for failing to see you for the fool you are. Students do take after their teachers. Only a fool would be your apprentice. After all, none of this would have happened without you. You are the source of all heartless. It was your research that inspired me to go further than you ever dared. I admit, my disregard brought chaos to more worlds than one. 
But what were you seeking? You erased me from the world, only to take my name and continue research better left forgotten. Is this the answer you've been looking for? All that and more. I'm carrying on what you yourself began, and I'm creating a brand new world, one heart at a time. I thought you'd praise me, but all you ever do is hold me back. I understand, though. Unlike me, you have a heart, and you're powerless to control it. Consumed by the jealousy you feel towards the student who surpassed you. Zehanort, foolish apprentice of a foolish man, you have surpassed nothing, only proved how little we both know. We may profess to know the heart, but its essence is beyond our reach. We're both ignorant, as oblivious as when we began. I'm afraid any world you try to create, any world of yours, would be an empire of ignorance. That is why you and your creation are destined to fail. We said enough. Riku, you know what to do. King Mickey, my friend, forgive me. Farewell. Yep. <laughs> then the, the, the data cannon thing explodes. Yep. And a big old chunk of the moon blows up. Yeah, just washing everything in this huge field of light. And then there's a hole in their kingdom hearts. So I guess this one is uh, the capstone of Ansem the Wise's character art, since he sacrifices himself here. This is supposed to be like him fully realizing, oh, I fucked up a lot. Yep, I was wrong about nobodies. He doesn't say that. Yeah, he feels bad for one guy he kind of did some horrible shit to and ends his life in the same vengeful mood he started. Uh, Pretty much. In. Like, he, like it's supposed to be sort of a redemptive moment for him, but you know what? This guy never apologizes to... Well, he apologizes to one nobody, Roxas. And it's more just him apologizing to Sora. Yeah, as far as he knows, Roxas doesn't exist anymore, can't hear it, so he's apologizing for his own satisfaction. You could argue that he's insulting Xehanort rather than his nobody specifically, but... I would at least like to have him understand nobodies are people. Understand that, you dipshit old man. <laughs> yep. I guess Zemnis showing up and being Zemnis kind of puts the kibosh on that one. Yeah, it totally derails his last moments and just turns it into an act of revenge. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell, I hate Ansem the Wise. <laughs> so with the narration telling us, reminding us again, Mickey says, like, well, he said anything could happen. Riku's back to normal. Yeah. And wearing a blindfold still for some reason. No, he's not wearing a blindfold anymore. Yes, he is. They specifically tell him to take it off. All right. Which <laughs> leads me to the question. Was he wearing the blindfold under whatever this Ansem skin was or whatever the hell he was at this point? At least he didn't do the thing where he gouges his eyes out. <laughs> yeah, because that's definitely something Disney's going to add. Yep. They love Oedipus and Disney. They're gonna have a, he's going to have his own uh, musical soon. Sora has a pretty damn good line for there. Why are you trying to do so much on your own? You've got friends like us. He actually <laughs> grabs the others and poses with them practically for it. Isn't that just like the quintessential Sora moment right there? The response is a quintessential Riku moment, but actually in a good way. It's like, have you forgotten? I'll tell you why. Because I'm not a total sap like you. But yep. he, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's meant as a joke there. Like this is yeah. just like 
The bridge is rebuilt. Yeah, this is what Riku was supposed to be. As strange as it sounds, like what he wanted to be and what he was supposed to be, but he let it get twisted and toxic. And now we're finally seeing it return there and we can see hope for the friendship to be what it was. This is the point at which Riku is finally done being bad decision, man. Yep. Close. But, you know, before that, I, even even though he's dead, his words go on forever. We have another answer report. Number 11. <laughs> I was reunited with an old friend at Castle Oblivion, but was unable to disclose my identity. If he knew the situation, he would likely try to stop me from carrying out my revenge. As much as I would dearly love to converse with him as the old days, that is now but a hopeless dream. My friend has been fighting in the realm of darkness. Most likely he found his way there through Travis Town. Like Castle Oblivion, that village also rests in the cleft between light and dark. It consists of the remnants of worlds whose hearts have been stolen by the heartless. It is where those who have barely escaped the destruction of the worlds eventually find themselves. This realm between is quite unstable with corridors of darkness appearing from time to time. Whenever a world disappears, some of its inhabitants must arrive here through those corridors. Surely Sora traveled these same corridors of darkness when he first came to Traverse Town. It seems my friend, fighting in the realm of darkness, appeared in Castle Oblivion through a corridor of darkness constructed by Organization 13. My new ally Riku also effected his return via one of these corridors. He swore to me he would give his all for his best friend Sora. In fact, Sora's memories have been slow to return. Thus I have asked Riku to bring me another Sora, his nobody. Sora is indispensable if I am to achieve my goal. I require the Keyblade-wielding hero to fly through the Realm of Light and defeat Organization 13. Wow, fuck off, Diz. He deliberately avoided talking to Mickey because Mickey might talk him out of his plan. He openly admits that Sora and Riku were his tools, and he doesn't care about saving anyone, just what he wanted his revenge. Yeah, yep. fuck this guy. This guy sucks. Yep. yep. <laughs> they just had his little redemption moment, but now we've got to just, like, show you exactly how shitty he really was. God, I hate him so much. <laughs> It's the fruit of the poison tree, if we use a legal term. Unfortunately, even if something good come of it, even from him, it's such a toxic opening. I'm just laughing because this is this is very much the the whole Kingdom Hearts moment because that whole thing where he basically says, "I'm not talking to Mickey because he's going to stop me from doing my plan if he if he if he knows." It's very much the you know oh, yeah. like yeah. like if so, if you just talk to your friends, things would have turned out much better. So, of course, he hangs out with Riku for a while. That just that just seems about right. I mean, OK, I'm trying to figure out a low tier character ranking right now of who what's the absolute bottom tier. And I tried to think of any character in all of Kingdom Hearts that I would rank below Diz and I can't. Hmm. <laughs> so the characters that just don't matter, they, they end up hiring him because they're, 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 they're in a tier of inconsequential. I love Vexen. Uh, Vexen kind of sucks. Vexen does kind of suck. He does but, kind of suck, but not as much as Diz. Then you have people like Larkseen and... Uh, Larkseen is just fun. Larkseen I could have a beer with, so... <laughs> but then you have people like Zaldin, and Zaldin is more or less a goldfish poop villain. Zaldin, Zaldin is in the inconsequential tier. How about Zack? Zack kind of sucks. I, I said he's worse than Aqua. I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, um, no, the absolute worst character in uh, Olympus Coliseum is Phil. 
<laughs> and manipulative little crap. Manipulative little sexist crap. But we will talk about that in Birth by Sleep. Right. So we're running through the last corridor and we get one more chance to meet our friends, Melissa and Pete. Wait, yep. our friends. They show up to be almost good guys to do a heroic sacrifice type thing. I have in my notes. We make it to the end. A ton of shadows start crawling in. And Maleficent and Pete try to develop some goodwill that they will squander and coded. <laughs> this is this really, really strange sequence between Pete and, and Mickey where they exchange weird, not quite insults. Yep. I can't rule the darkness if Organization 13 is here ruling both light and darkness from Twilight, you know? And a weird observation. Pete's turning and running. He sees Mickey and they exchange box. And Pete's like, I'm not going to banish him. I'm going to go fight. So he's that contrary. I really like Maleficent and Pete as forces in this world. They're an interesting counterweight to all the organization stuff. Maleficent's evil, but she's kind of poking at things and trying to curiously learn about it rather than just being, I know what I'm doing and I want darkness. Yeah, I mean, she wants power and and control, but she's she, she doesn't have any attachments to any side. She just wants to be on top. She learned at some point in the past about the existence of other worlds and decided, like any good Disney villain would, how do I work with that? <laughs> I wonder when we'll learn that. After Melissa and Pete stay behind, we get to the very top of the castle where Xemnas is just in, in full mourning mode over his ruined moon, though he's still talking yep. this big dramatic. <laughs> I think he thinks he's way more in control than he actually is. Xemnas is such a just as planned guy, but who can't back it up? Yep. Oh, my kingdom hearts. Ruined. Now I'll have to start all over again. Warriors of the Keyblade, go forth and bring me more hearts. No! And they, of course, I'll just point their Keyblades at him. Denizens of Light, answer this. Why do you hate the darkness? Aw, we don't hate it. It's just kind of scary. But the world's made of light and darkness. You can't have one without the other, because darkness is half of everything. Sort of makes you wonder why we're scared of the dark. It's because of who is lurking inside it. Then allow me another question. You accept darkness, yet choose to live in the light. So why is it that you loathe us who teeter on the edge of nothing? We who are turned away by both light and dark... Never given a choice. That's simple. It's because you mess up our worlds. That may be. However, what other choice might we have had? Just give it a rest. You're nobodies. You don't even exist. You're not sad about anything. <laughs> Very good. You don't miss a thing. I cannot feel sorrow. No matter what misery befalls the worlds, no matter what you think, what you feel, or how you exist. Before we go into the boss fight right here, I just want to say, Sora, wrong lesson. Stop <laughs> yes. listening to Diz. Stop listening to Diz. Don't listen to Xemnas. All these people are telling you very bad things about people. Yes. You had this great moment with Roxas, and you're still just, you, you forgot it all five minutes later. I'm really disappointed, <laughs> you kid. His yep. brain is just like a sieve. Yep. Nominate, stop hammering holes in it. God damn it, nominate. <laughs> like, we need to do something about that. Young, <laughs> we need to do something to reconstruct his brain. Wait, yes. no, no, no. 
Sora has very good, very large good boy energy, but he's also just a little bit slow on the uptake. He's trusting in a weird way. He trusts the first thing he hears and has a really hard time resetting. Yep. <laughs> so it's also Yen Sid's fault. Yeah. So now Sora and Zemnis have a big, uh, a big climactic fight. I kind of like Zemnis's weapons. He kind oh, of yeah. does the whole lightsaber thing, except instead of like you know having like an object that the lightsaber comes out of, he just it just kind of like comes straight out of his palm as an extension of his forearm. Yep. Uh, it's he also has the same barrier bullshit that uh, the unknown from the last game had because hey, it's the exact same guy. And you get He's, to remember that sorcerers use it, too. It's a pretty cool fight. I don't know how he separates you from the others. I can't remember. But basically, you're suddenly transported to a battle arena, which is in front of the Tower of Nothingness from before. Yeah, it's the spooky skyscraper from, and, from Deep Dive. I love it. And you're and you're in a swirl. There's a swirly void around this patch of land. So you really aren't getting away. Yep. And it's it's very much a, a brutal sword fight, though. He's using his barriers to screw with you. He's teleporting. His element is nothingness. I really don't see how that connects to anything he does. But I mean, I guess if you're the leader of the nobodies, your power probably should be nothingness. There is a cool reaction ca- command in here, but apparently I did not figure it out at all when I fought yeah. him. I just it's the coolest reaction command in the game, yo. But if you're someone who instinctively reacts, you can so easily miss the choice. Zemnis runs to the top of the tower, like staring down at you. And it's a game of chicken. You basically have to wait for the right reaction command to actually do it right. It's literally the run from deep dive. He's diving down towards you. You're running up the building and the camera cuts to this side shot of you. Everything slows down and a reaction command appears between you. Yeah. The first command that'll appear is clash, which just causes you to dodge past each other and no damage is done. If you wait a little bit longer. Now, this we're talking like a second between them. Not even like a second, like half a second. It's pretty fast. Then it switches to breakthrough. And if you hit breakthrough, Sora just kind of spins and smacks him hard as he goes by. And he still just points. But then if you wait to the last second, I believe it has a very short delivery time. Yes. Like you have to basically be ready to hit it as soon as you see it change. It is called finish. Sora does a massive combo that will take Zemnis down to like pretty close to critical, almost dead state. It might even be able to defeat him. I forget. You air juggle him. You spin around. You slam him with a strike into the side of the skyscraper and then he falls as you land. Yeah. It, also, I just want to. Briefly call out what the soundtrack is here. It's called Disappeared, and it's pretty damn cool. It's like it's pretty ominous, I'd say. Like it doesn't have the intensity of a lot of the boss fight themes, but it's this is this is the opening clash. So it's the opening song. Yep. And this is only going to intensify as this goes. Yep. So after the fight, Zemnis merges with the artificial Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, do- doesn't he kind of like float up into the gap, the big hole in the Kingdom Hearts? He's doing the huge I am within you, draw everything into me sort of thing. It's very much. Hear me, Kingdom Hearts. It seems we must begin anew. Ah, but know this. I will give to you as many hearts as it takes. Mark my words. You can no more be complete without me than I without you. Heed me, Kingdom Hearts. Lend me your power so that we may be complete. The power to erase the fools that hinder us. Zemnis, no! Hearts quivering with hatred. Zemnis, don't! Hearts burning with rage. Donald voice, you'll never win! Hearts scarred by envy. That fool Ansem said the heart's true nature was beyond his understanding. 
but it's not beyond mine. Hearts are the source of all power. And then he vanishes. And a door appears. Well, I kind of like that that dialogue just because I think Xemnas got very close to the right lesson here, except he completely used the negative emotions. My hearts <laughs> are my power. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> He, he got the idea that, you know, like strong emotions and bonds between people make you powerful, except he chose all of the negative emotions and bonds between people. He's got a vested interest in darkness. What can I say? Point of no return is another big weird door to another place. It's funny. It appears it's different, but it has a feeling of the door from the original Kingdom Hearts. Like the, that the one that Secret Darkness called Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. It appears in the sense that the worlds gave us this door. Is literally what was said by, I think Mickey actually said it. Maybe these doors are an entrance into the hearts. You just can't normally enter a regular human-sized heart with the door, but the heart of a world you can actually enter yeah, and uh, well, and and see the, the darkness inside. Well, there's there's doors of darkness in worlds that appear spontaneously. We know of ones in Radiant Garden. I did the ones that appear around the keyhole, apparently. When the door in Destiny Islands was opened up, that's what... A light in all the darkness, so. Yeah, and it basically destroyed the world almost immediately. And then you have these doors. Like, if you compare this with the other door of Kingdom Hearts, that was that end of the world where the corpses of worlds were being drawn together, the hearts devoured by the heartless. And they gathered and they formed this entranceway that Secret Darkness described as Kingdom Hearts itself. What we can probably infer is that actually what's on the other side of that door is Kingdom Hearts within something else because there is a dark yeah. world inside them and so this time mickey calls out kingdom hearts and says that the worlds gave us this doorway to guard their destiny so these doors seem to appear when enough hearts are gathered like this time it was the remains of the hearts from their artificial kingdom hearts moon right anyway what else do we get here we get the final secret answer report number 13 uh, he'll finally shut up <laughs> tomorrow sora awakens my long and drawn out revenge is nearing its end Zehanort, who took everything away from me. Though as a heartless he is no more, as the leader of Organization 13, his ambition once again is to capture Kingdom Hearts, the most colossal heart of all. His heartless had attempted to draw the great darkness of Kingdom Hearts, created from the hearts of all worlds. His nobody, however, is now almost finished gathering human hearts to be assimilated to Kingdom Hearts as well. The Fool. Only one mystery remains. How did Xehanort manage to open the door that appeared in the basement of my castle? No. Any theory posited now, when everything is nearing completion, would be meaningless. Roxas. Ansem. Namine. They defy all logic. Yet there they are. Singular exceptions to the rule. The theories proposed by me and by Organization 13 have been blown to pieces by a handful of strong-hearted individuals. Sora, Kairi, Riku. Ah, yes, Riku. Though his heart has its weaknesses, making it prone to darkness, he found support in the hope he discovered beyond suffering. The hope allowed him to stand his ground and turn the darkness in his heart from enemy into his greatest weapon. When all this is over, it is my fervent hope that he will be able to return with Sora to his islands. If I can, I should like to return to Radiant Garden, to look once more upon the beautiful water, the lovely flowers, 
and the hopeful smiles of the people. Dear King, my friend, I believe that at some point in time you will come across these, my truthful accounts. How I wish I could have chatted with you again. I was a fool, obsessed with revenge. Forgive me. That's great and all, but you still didn't apologize to the nobodies. Yeah, he's more worried about mice and yep. mice think about him. <laughs> he's worried about the thoughts of mice and men and not nobodies. So basically, we've hit the, the point of no return here. Once you pass this door, the you're going to go through the whole end sequence. Here's where I went off to do a bunch of side stuff, but let's not do that. Let's do the finale. Yep, it would be a little bit anticlimactic to not do the finale here. Yeah. Yeah, I have in my notes, the three Keyblade wielders not named Kyrie used the Keyblades to open the door to the Artificial Kingdom Hearts. This time I'll fight too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if Kyrie doesn't get to do anything, fucking uh, hell. And, and I feel really bad because she doesn't deserve that. She, I will say, like, I feel like they keep neglecting the developer too much, but she is a solid character. I think she is the biggest disappointment in Kingdom Hearts writing because there's so much potential with what they can do with her and they continue to avoid doing it. Yep, Nomura has a problem uh, writing in girls in, in his brofests. Which is weird because some of the female characters, while ridiculous, are very memorable and have their own strength. I mean, mm-hmm. I went straight to Larxene, who, while a weird troll character, is so memorably crazy. She is so much fun. She knows exactly who she is and what she's doing. And she embraces it. So they open the door inside. There's a giant, freaky spaceship castle in a twisted version of the world that never was like endless skyscrapers more than just we even saw before yep the music for this next bit is called a fight to the death and it's made of multiple phases first phase we gotta get to the fight we're not there yet yep we have to do some sick flips and slash through the skyscrapers to make it to the fight it's just crazy anime bullshit at its absolute finest are they flying at us or are we just kind of running through it they are flying at you and you have to cut through them yeah this is probably a point we can barely call things real but it's sure impressive you're cutting through buildings if kingdom hearts's ultimate aspiration is to be the best anime character action game this is the kinds of times where it actually really truly achieves that (laughs) yes once we get there we gotta fight the spaceship castle i really don't know what else to call that thing yeah that there's no other thing to call it we gotta destroy some engine things by knocking enemies into them and it's kind of annoying because you gotta jump between them there's a lot of open space you could fall off the edge there yeah, yeah, they have to use a reaction command to jump between them, too. Like, you basically have to get out of there as it starts revving up its engine, I think it is, or is it a cannon? I don't even know. It's a thing. It's a thingy. It's a power thingy. Yep. Once we destroy them, we have to stop the energy core. Which I think we just beat it up. Yeah, it's just a thing to beat up. And once we destroy the core, we find ourselves inside the head of the big nobody dragon. I think it's just sort of sticking out of the castle. Yeah, yeah. This dragon, like you said, it's got a throne on its head. On the head, we have a heavily armored Zemnus with a huge impractical cape, which means he can't get out of his throne and a big sword. Yeah, he's, he's got the very kind of king motif going on. That crown is hilarious over that armor. And he's got he's got huge uh, shoulder pads that are also those big spiky crown things. He's yeah. it's really over the top and silly. He just he sits on the throne. And I think there might be a bunch of other nobodies that attack while we're fighting him, but it's. It's a cakewalk. He does nothing no, here. This is actually the fight where he uses the Kataras, the Naganata, the cards. He's using everyone else's weapons. No, oh, OK. But it's the fat. It's so fast. I don't yeah. even remember that. Basically, he like shoots things like the spears of uh, uh, Zaldin or throwing out uh, gambler cards. It's kind of a weird little fight. So afterwards, Zemnis bucks off. He says he needs more rage and hearts. More rage, more hearts. And so it's like, no, you're still wrong. <laughs> there's, there's other feelings. Don't you remember? 
It, yeah. his line is, by the way, his line is great. It's, unfortunately, I don't, and he fades. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, so, yeah, afterwards, I have in my notes, uh, Riku's still on a shit jet, though, and Sora makes a stupid face to get him off of it. Yeah, Riku's like, I'm still in the darkness. I, I can't go there. How am I going to face everyone? <laughs> it's Sora. I don't know if he's trying to be funny or literal here. He's like, like this. He's squishing his face. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. So Riku's like, I, I was like, well, the castle's falling apart. I'll make a path out of here. Oh, no, I can't open up the, the corridor of darkness. Yep. Fortunately, Namine shows up and can do that. So. But no one sees her, do they? Uh, I guess Kyrie does because Kyrie thanks her. About time someone did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing, because Donald runs over. Actually, Donald and Mickey, neither of them know who opened the door. Yeah, okay. So I think only people connected to Kyrie and Sora can actually see Naminé. So after most of them leave, like Kyrie thanks Naminé. Yeah, then Roxas also pops out of Sora's heart to thank Naminé. Everyone other than Sora is thanking Naminé, despite Jiminy writing only one thing for Sora to do. You had one job. Yeah, his was like, huh? You have one job, Sora. Stop being the bad decisions boy. That's Riku's job. Yep. No, no, Riku might have quit that job. So. Yeah, I have in my notes, Kyrie optimistically suggests she and Sora will be together every day, which assumes there won't be sequels, so sorry. So everyone else leaves, Sora and Riku are last, so of course the portal vanishes, and Zemdis grows a bunch more health bars and reappears as a giant dragon jet. Like, the big blowing core everyone ignores just hatches into a big old mecha dragon. Kingdom Hearts is actually dragons. Sweet. It works. Fucking cool. It's time to fight a blue-eyes white yes. dragon jet. Rule of cool. Oh, no, if we had enough card games. And Riku steals a sick hover bike. This entire section is just kind of like wonderful nonsense. I love it. Where did the sick hover bike even come from? Whose bike was it? I I don't know why, but my brain is say, is totally saying it was uh, Luxord's. I was going to say it might be Axel's. <laughs> nah, Axel would have kept his sweet bike. Yep. <laughs> the music for this next part goes through several phases. It's called Darkness of the Unknown. This is the final boss song. It's just very eerie, very dark and sinister. The first phase is sort of a rolling piano piece is sort of like a low, relentless piano roll. And it's kind of neat, though. The fight itself, I'm kind of met on. It's shmup time. Yeah, we're flying on the back of Riku's sweet bike and shooting lasers from our key. Yeah, Zem Dragon is really annoying, I'd say. <laughs> There's a lot of parts to blow up. It's just flying around it. It takes a long time. I don't like it. Why is this here? Yeah. And then it gets weirder. The dragon before was sticking out of a portal or something. Now it just kind of flies into this the city that never was. And now you're facing down into the landscape with half the dragon sticking up out of you with Zemnis once again on his head thrown. Yeah, the music steps up a lot for this next phase. Now we're kind of flying around and we're getting skyscrapers and boulders thrown at us. Yeah, yeah. Like the gravity is extremely low. So we have to get to the throne while fighting through this weird gravity. You get a few smacks on Zemnis, you get knocked back, and then you have to go to the slicing through buildings and bowls and flying towards them. Yeah, the reaction commands are not only you have to slice through some skyscrapers, but you have to throw one back at the fucking dragon head to open it up. It's crazy. Yeah. You baseball bat it, right? Yeah, you baseball bat it. It's crazy. It's great. We're kind it's of really going cool. full on Gurren Lagan here. <laughs> Though this was well before it. Only a few years before it. Only about five. Uh, No, two. Grand Lagan was 2007. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 is 2005. Huh. So we fight him some more and you know, we beat up his armored can't move because the cloak's too difficult to animate. Mm -hmm. We won't be able to do that for a few games. When we beat him up, we end up in the final phase of this fight. It's a big spooky white void. 
So in our final fight, Xemnas gets into a zebra coat. And that's the only way I have to describe it. It It is a organization cloak, but instead of being a white leather it, or black leather, it is white and black. And I can't even tell what the material is supposed to be. It's kind of geometric stripe patterns. They're not and even that. No, they're not even that regular. Like they, I say zebra because they actually have kind of that animalistic yeah. varying sizes and thickness. So it's yeah, really yeah. Odd. I think it's kind of interesting because like I, I kind of tie it back to Roxas's design because Roxas has the black and white checkerboard motif. Mm. So, yeah, so, so like nobody's have that whole theme of the twilight between light and darkness. But apparently when nobody's get too powerful, they can't really mix together anymore. So you get the black and white motif. So and we're in a complete void. There's no structures. There's no giant robots. There's just gray, blurry sources of lights, weird patterns like the ground in the sky is indistinguishable. Yep. It is a place between dark and light. Nothing but a swirly void and a guy shooting us with Twilight Thorns uh, vine structures. So, yeah, this is this is 100 percent the final fight. And Xemnas has a few words for us. Yep. Heroes from the realm of light. I will not allow it to end this way. Not yet. If light and darkness are eternal, then surely we nothings must be the same. Eternal. You're right. Light and darkness are eternal. Nothing probably goes on forever, too. But guess what, Xemnas? That doesn't mean you're eternal. (laughs) No more eternal than that radiance of yours. This fight has all sorts of things. Like I said, it has Twilithorn's thorns, so you're literally doing those reversals, flying through the sky, avoiding them. There's so much going on in this fight. It's Sora and Riku have a unique limit break and a couple unique commands. Like there's even moments where uh, Sora will get captured and you have to briefly control Riku to go free Sora. And this, he's flying around. He's shooting thorns. He's, he's firing. Now he's firing his lasers rather than using the lightsabers as much. Like he's just blasting you. Yep. It does, and, isn't there one part where he basically makes an entire sphere of lasers? Yes. Around oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the, the capstone of the fight. <laughs> it is the coolest scripted event in the game. Like, uh, Sora and Riku have to work together to deflect the dome of a gazillion lasers, and you just are mashing the reaction command thing a lot. And, like, it, and it, it gets it goes on just long enough to feel painful. The animation's a little bit limited. I, I wish there was a little bit more because they're kind of just doing a couple moves over and over, but you're deflecting and they're dodging. And like these beams are just raining down on you from all sides or inside this dome of, of, of blasts. Yeah, it's really cool. It, like, it still looks good, too, even to this day. Like, you, you can tell they really put a lot of work into making this look as good as it possibly could. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because the lasers are the same thing as his lightsaber, essentially. It's just mm-hmm. he he now just starts decoupling them from his hand and and shooting them at, yeah, around. He was, he was doing it all fight, but this is like – and the, 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 the game storytelling makes it that this was his big move because after it, he's exhausted. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't really respond. Like you just can run up to him and you can do a one last combo to break him. Yep. And after we win, we power up the drive – Gage, why are we still getting upgrades? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not going to worry about that. Ending time. Ending time. Let's be indulgent again. Yes, <laughs> we we've been indulgent this whole time, but I think we're we're entitled to. We've gotten all the way through Kingdom Hearts two. Yes, after we defeat Zemnis, still in the void with no exit, a gigantic swarm of dust attack. We see the fight begin. But we see them finish it, and Riku is both injured and seems to be completely exhausted. Like, he's barely standing. You know, 
I always figured I was better at stuff than you. Really? Are you mad? No. I kind of always thought you were better at everything, too. Riku, look. What's that light? They walk through the void into a mysterious light, and they wind up on a dark beach. End of the road? Yep. Put me down. I can walk. You know, maybe the darkness has gotten to me, too. He turns around and sees Riku has collapsed. Riku! This world, it's perfect for me. If this is what the world really is, just this, then maybe I should fade back into darkness. Riku! If this world is made of light and darkness, we'll be the darkness. Yeah, the other side. The realm of light is safe now. Kyrie, the king, and the others are there. That's what I mean. Hey, Sora, could you help me? I want to get down to the water. They walk down to the water? At least the waves sound the same. They sit at the end of the beach. What I said back there about thinking I was better at stuff than you? Be the truth, Sora. I was jealous of you. What for? I wish I could live life the way you do. Just following my heart. Yeah, well, I've got my share of problems, too. Like what? Like wanting to be like you. Well, there is one advantage to being me. Something you could never imitate. Really? What's that? Having you for a friend. (laughs) Then I guess I'm okay the way I am. I've got something you could never imitate, too. In the dark beach, they sit staring up at the empty sky. They close their eyes. A bottle washes up against Riku. He picks up and opens it, and there's a note inside. Sora? I think it's for you. Thinking of you, wherever you are. We pray for our sorrows to end, and hope that our hearts will blend. Now I'll step forward and realize this wish. And who knows, starting a new journey may not be so hard, or maybe it has already begun. There are many worlds, but they all share the same sky. One sky, one destiny a light appears out in the water before them. Light. The door to light. We'll go together. Yeah. And they wind back up at Destiny Islands. I just love the orchestration of uh, Hikaria simple and clean breaking in here because it really starts when he starts reading her and it just, it's just beautiful after they had their moment here of the friendship that they really needed. Mm-hmm. Mm. This scene is important. This is the climax of their of their relationship up till now. This is more or less the conclusion of a two game character arc with a little bit of interjection in the middle with Chain of Memory. So three game arc. You kind of do need Chain of Memories to understand Kingdom Hearts 2 completely. Yes. Especially Riku's character arc. Oh, yeah. And and Namine in general. Yeah. If you skip Chain of Memories, we're doing it wrong. I do think two explains Namine and some of what happens to Riku enough that at least it's understandable. I think the part at least explains why Sora was in the pod. Yeah. Yep. Kyrie's waving them from the beach as they're floating in the ocean. They actually meteor right into the water like it's a star. <laughs> and then, like, Kyrie's waving them, and then Donald and Goofy jump ahead of her and just tackle Sora. Yep. <laughs> Mickey only hugs Riku. Yep. yep. He runs up to Riku and gets lifted in the air, so he just hugs him. They're darkness bros. Yep. They're, <laughs> they're just edgy bros hanging out in the world of darkness. Mickey is Riku's uh, Disney friend. I hope that yes. Kyrie's stuck with Pluto. I like Pluto, but that's a rough pick. I mean, Pluto doesn't do much other than discover plot. That's part of the problem, yes. He's he's a plot-sniffing dog. Anyway, 
Roll fact, credits. Yeah, I was going to say, I think even in in Mickey Mouse cartoons, Pluto is more or less his job is to be the plot sniffing dog or run into things. We're getting kidnapped um, by mad scientists. So after the credits, we get a really cute scene. Nothing's changed, huh? Nope, nothing will. What a small world. A part of one that's much bigger. Yeah. Hey, Riku, what do you think it was? The door to the light. Riku points to Sora's heart. This. This? Yeah, it's always closer than you think. And then a message bottle from the king shows up, hinting at something we won't see for several games. <laughs> So if you've done a decent number of things, like not everything, as once again, there's two secret movies. The first one we get is The Gathering. In a dusty, barren landscape with only a few plants, the answer reports fly in a graphic behind their text swirling across the screen. Words appear on the screen. The Keyblade is said to hold phenomenal power. One legend says that its wielder saved the world while another says that it wrought chaos and ruin upon it. I must know what this keyblade is. A key opens doors. The land appears to be devastated. An armored figure with a cape stands in the devastation. He holds a keyblade over his shoulder. Two more armored people approach him. They walk to a middle ground where we see the keyblades of Sora, Mickey, and Riku stuck in the ground. The destruction melts away into nothingness as each of them take a keyblade. They are surrounded on all four sides as if a giant X has been carved by the filling of keyblades stuck in the ground everywhere. An uncountable number. Another figure walks towards them, and a series of words appears on the screen. Master of Keyblade. The Lost Two. Memory of Xehanort. Chasers. Keyblade War. It all began with... Birth by Sleep. Wait, why the hell didn't I get the secret movie? You've been skipping the side content, John. You know that perfectly well. An entire world has been left undone. Shit! A world of pain and suffering. A world of unimaginable horror. And sailhawks. God fucking damn it! No, no, no! So for the final episode that we will do, we will go back to finish off some worlds, do the bunch of side content to unlock the true secret ending. Fuck, damn it, shit. You, Why? You knew it was only a matter of time, John. We're going. Yeah. Atlantica. Fuck. Fuck, no. And so, until next time, remember. And so, until next time, I'm Matt. I'm Jared. And I am under duress going into Atlantica as John. (laughs) And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlog dialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. Let's just, who's going to do the, let's Everyone do a very strange voice for a previously on. Previously on Backlog Dialogues. Previously on Backlog Dialogues. <laughs> oh, no. Where are you going for there? Uh, that That's the voice that we have decided that both Monokuma and Karapoyo use.
that, or at least that's the vo voice. That, that's pretty stubborn. That's that is my uh well rather that's the voice I used for Monokuma lines when we were playing Danganronpa, and it also became the voice I used for Karapoyo when we were playing Kikunia. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. actually, I, let me get get another clean of that one because I really like that. And you blew out the mic with it, just so you yep. know. Previously on Backlog Dialogues, Pokepoyo. <laughs> oh no. Uh, uh, let, let me tr try to do. I'm I'm gonna try to do the uh the uh the movie trailer announcer voice. Mine was a vague uh, Tyler Bear, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, previously on Backlog Dialogues. Now give me your Furuto Erica. Oh no. <laughs> that, that one's not allowed yet. <laughs> How is Karopoyo allowed? <laughs> uh, I I I think I need to be in that mode for that one. What does that voice sound like? I I sound like. So what I try to do is I try to sound like really like I try to be like really like nasally and really uptight, like and 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 feminine. Like let me let me try try to do one. Um, Go for it, man. I gotta get into the mode one second. Let me see if I can um, do my feathering voice while you're doing that. Oh, go oh for God. It. I'm missing some terror, aren't I? Previously on Backlog Dialogues, Child of Man. Snake! 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 A weapon to surpass Metal Gear! We could do this for an hour. Let's be Nano honest. machines. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Nano machine. Oh. <laughs> Nano, Nano machine. Son. No, I wanted to be Chris really back. Nano machine. Son. Yeah, I was gonna say if we're if we're going to have a Kingdom Hearts character do that one, we have to do Nano machine. Son. Anyway, um. Any fake nets. We can't Initializing fake net. No, because no, they're no. them. They're them, and we're not. Yes, <laughs> we do not have a, a fake net. net. We have a Tron net. <laughs> no. no, no, we will not do that. We are not going to do anything <laughs> like that. Like <laughs> as much as I would like to have a post-production AI companion that can correct our mistakes and yell at us, but that would just be coded. Yes. I think. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways. Now I'm just gonna, now I'm just thinking that M Bison. Yes. Yes. yes! <laughs> this is good content we're making. Yes. yes. Just yeah. say oh. yes for five minutes. It will work. People will yes. love it. They'll eat that shit up. Yep. That... Especially if your name's especially if your name's Daniel Bryan. You're not that doing wrestling a... references anymore. Stop <laughs> making them by accident. Then. <laughs> That's okay. Everything is actually a wrestling reference. I'm back. Let me open up my soda first before you. There we go. Isn't it? I think it's diviner. I think you got to use either. I think like divining rod. I think both the pronunciations are correct. I think it's divining rod. Yeah. You say I tomato. Both. I say tomato. Yep. Who says tomato? You say popodo. I say lalafell.
Yep. Now, now that you made that reference, I'm just imagining, you know, Zemnis turning to the camera and being like, I'm surrounded by assholes. Yep, that sounds about right. But though he certainly doesn't have the right to say that. Yep. Once upon a time when the orc had Kingdom Hearts in the sky, now it's <laughs> only falling apart. I mean, there's nothing Zemnis can do. It's a total eclipse of his hearts. Oh, why do you do this to me? <laughs> because it's fun. Uh, I'm laughing at least. <laughs> I, I love that both. song, man. But so, yeah, yeah. Be glad, um, I, hey, be glad I didn't do more than just the, the one couplet. I could have gone so much further. So what you're telling me is it's Tara's fault again. <laughs> we will get to that later. <laughs> How much of that season can we name? It's Tara's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Riku gets supplanted by, as bad decision man by Tara. Yes. Well, and then they have a nice <laughs> moment together because of course yes. they do. Hey, think about it <laughs> like oh. this. Tara looks at looks at two little kids, a very good little cinnamon roll, and Riku, and decides to give Riku the power of the Keyblade. <laughs> my plans are my plans are great. <laughs> my plans are great. Good work, Tara. We will talk about you next season, not this one. My ridiculously circuitous plan is nearly one quarter complete. By the way, we actually skipped something hilarious. Go for it. Everyone vanishes and the dragon's flying towards us. So was Riku. I wanted to thank Nomine, but I couldn't bring myself to say it. Hmm. God damn it, Sora. This is because things weren't back the way it was before. God damn it. That's pretty pretty special. So yeah, sorry, (laughs) I missed that entirely. So everyone ends up back at Disney Islands. Everyone fucks their friends. Everyone hugs their friends. That was an interesting... (laughs) 